0: I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Frank Figluzzi, the former assistant director of the FBI and the man who was charged with leading the Bureau's famed counterintelligence division. He has also served as the FBI's chief inspector to oversee sensitive internal inquiries And he's a national security analyst for NBC News and a sought after speaker and instructor on leadership and risk management. Frank is the author of the book, The FBI Way Inside the Bureau's Code of Excellence. We are going to be talking today about how you can use the seven core principles that make the FBI such an incredible organization in your family. One of the big things we're going to talk about today is consequences. Frank is going to talk about what parents often get wrong when they're imposing consequences on a teenager and what we can learn from how the FBI sets up their consequences and disciplines FBI members who break the rules. We're also going to look at how to get to the core of what you really want to stand for as a family. Then we're going to see how you can handle new situations that come up with your teenager by falling back on the core principles that define your family. All of that and more is coming up on the show. Frank, thank you so much for being here today. So talk to me uh, a
1: little bit about the book. Um, The book is The FBI Way, and there's a ton of stories in here from real FBI situations, things that we've all heard about, but we maybe don't know the -the behind-the-scenes stories of what was actually happening, but it's more than just stories. There's also kind of a framework of principles that you've laid out that really kind of define what it means to be a part of the FBI. Where did all this come from?
2: Yeah, happy to talk about it and and share and share what I have gleaned from 25 years uh, of experience at the FBI as as an agent and ultimately as an assistant director heading up counterintelligence. And people I think listening might be going, hey, well, wait a minute. Now why does Andy have have an FBI agent on? What's this thing about? <laughs> and here's the here's the neat thing that I've discovered about the book, even as it continues to you know to get sold and and people come up and approach me and 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 tell me what their takeaways from the book are so yeah it started like this i wanted to share lessons from 25 years of operating under extreme stress often life and death national security type stress i wanted to showcase how the fbi operates at at that high level and does so at a high degree of excellence, they don't get it right all the time, but they do it under stress and they get it right much of the time. And how they, how they get it right is through something called values-based performance, values-based leadership. And that's a, the simple notion there is that when you base what you do on values and principles – you often end up with a far better result. And then we'll talk about why that is. And so my book was an effort to say, look, you don't need to spend 25 years in the FBI to get these kinds of lessons. I've, I've distilled them down um, into what I call the seven C's. As, as you said, the book is called the FBI way inside the Bureau's code of excellence. Um, And you can, get the illustrations from pretty neat war stories from my fbi career all approved by the fbi for publication (laughs) but but each of them illustrates one of these seven C's, and i'm sure we're going to walk through those but the really neat thing andy is parents have come up to me right so the book was really designed for leaders you know and you think oh business leaders government leaders oh people who lead teams organizations fantastic but What I found particularly about where our nation is right now is people are looking for a return to values and looking to say, how do I get through this stressful situation in my life, in my organization, in my family, and even in my nation? And when I have parents coming up to me saying this was kind of the unexpected consequence of the book, hey, we're reading this book as as a family. Um, we've never sat down and done some of the thinking that you write about in your book, but we're doing it now. Thank you. So if I can, if I can flip this in this book into also a, a family book, a parenting book. Awesome.
1: So are these in a particular order or, and where did the seven C's come from? And uh, why do we start off with code?
2: Yeah, they, to answer your question, I did spend a lot of time about which of the seven C's should go in which order, which chapter in the book. So they are deliberate and there is, there is no accident that the very first chapter of the book, the first of the seven C's is something called code code. I'm talking about from my experience in the FBI, the way the FBI handles and preserves their internal core values is through their code of conduct and so you can't have a code by which you govern your life by you know things that you will do things you will never do an understanding of what you stand for and represent you can't even start doing that until you identify what your core values are so the first chapter is about hey Here's how the FBI identifies its core values. Here's the kind of eight things that the FBI says they stand for. And then here's how they've turned that into a code of conduct for everyone in the organization. And I, I've i had parents come up to me and go, Frank, do you know we've never sat down as a family and, and, and deliberately said kind of around the kitchen yeah. table, this is what we stand for as a family. This is what we are, who we are. And this is what we will never do because it is completely antithetical to what we want to stand for, you know, and it might be really simple things, particularly if it's young kids, um, we'll never lie to each other. We won't lie to each other, you know, simple things like that. What do you value? We will treat each each other with respect and civility. Yeah. You know, I can remember when my kids were really little, Hey, we never hit our brother, right? Don't hit your brother. <laughs> and so it may start that simple. But when you're when you're progressing into your kids are progressing into the teen years, boy, as you know, boy, does that get complicated? Yeah, here are things, here are things you will never do. Um, maybe it's um, you know treating uh, a, a person of the opposite gender um, with respect and dignity. Yeah, you know, whatever whatever it is, but sit down. Whether you're running a Fortune 500 company or you're running a small family, sit down and go through the exercise. What do we stand for? What are our core values, and how does that translate to a code of conduct for us?
1: And so, then, um, what happens when people violate those values?
2: Yeah, a great question for all of us, right? And and um, you know, I chose as the second chapter in the book something called conservancy. So, second, That's right. yeah, second C is conservancy. It means that preserving your core values, your code of conduct is a team sport. I think so often in companies, in government organizations, and even in families, people say, no, that's not my, my it's not my job. I'm not the I'm not the disciplined person in this organization. That we've got, you know, in a company, they'll tell you, oh, we've got the uh, ethics people or the lawyers <laughs> or the resources, you know, or the audit team does that in the company. In a yeah. family you know, if you talk to kids in a family, they might go, uh, I'm not responsible for preserving uh, any kind of core values uh, in this family. Uh, the, and, and any discipline comes from mom and dad. Well, that may be true, but it's not the optimal reality because the optimal reality is is ingraining a concept of conservancy that every one of us is a steward of this organization. We belong to something greater than our Selves and I. I used to tell my kids they're they're growing adults now with kids of their own. But I used to say our family name in this community rests on how you and all of us conduct ourselves. You you belong to something greater than just you. You belong yeah. like it or not, like it or not. You belong to this family, and we have a name, and it's up to us to shape that name and our reputation in the community. So conservancy. It's all of us in this together. Getting that kind of buy-in is so important. From conservancy, I flip right into the next uh, chapter, which is clarity. And it's very simple. You know, in so many consulting gigs that I do with corporations, people say, you know, there's an unfairness in this corporation about how they do discipline, how they do code preservation, because no one has a clue as to what the rules are or what's going to happen to you if you violate them. So we're living under kind of a, you know, a surprise moment around every corner about, hey, I, I didn't know you could get fired or suspended for that, or I didn't know you shouldn't do this. And I teach this concept. Look, everyone should know that what what the rules are and what's going to happen to them. And in the FBI, that takes that takes this shape. Every employee can go quickly look up on their on their internal internet for the organization what the rules are, what and what might happen, a range of discipline if you violate them. There's uh. people to call and talk to. There are teachable moments. Clarity takes this a this, uh, form also in the FBI when there are trends and patterns that develop in internal investigations and they're identified by headquarters every quarter this kind of teachable moment document comes out. They don't embarrass anybody. They don't name anybody. It's genericized, but they go, look, I'm just telling you, we're seeing the following trend develop. Um, and we just want everybody to know you can't do this. And if you do this, it's this might happen to you. Here are the consequences. It's that kind of clarity that makes people, even a family feel like I belong to a fair organization. I may not like all the rules, yeah, but you know, there's no surprises. It's like, you know, with little kids, when mom used to turn around in the van, driving the van and, and look at the back seat and go, don't make me come back there. Well, it was pretty clear. There was clarity, right? We're doing something wrong and there are consequences coming if we keep doing it. It's that clarity that you need to apply throughout your life as a leader and as a parent.
1: Yeah. And one of those things you talked about earlier about the values. I think a lot of this ties together because then the question becomes how you make your values clear.
2: Yeah. It's, it's the regular in, a, in an organization, it's the regular publication of those, but you know what? I used to do this with my teenagers, you know, and you have to judge your child too. Um, I've got a child now who's grown up to be a, a lawyer and he, in fact, he's a prostitute. Ah. So, so when you, when you identify, Hey, this young man, this young woman is kind of tuned into uh written rules he gets it yeah you know there's nothing wrong with having your kids look at a at a piece of paper that spells out the simple rules for our family or for you or what's expected of you this semester or this you know this season in sport this first year of college let's sit down let's write them out the expectations that's clarity that's publication um, sometimes my son insisted on signing a contract, you know, <laughs> we saw the lawyer in him pretty early yeah. and, and we're like, yeah, let's look let, good. Let's draft up a contract, you know, often, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that whatever works for, for the kind of awareness and clarity that's needed for kids to buy into a concept of values. Now, you, we brought up the issue right, tangentially, yeah. what happens if you violate? So from, from clarity, from clarity, we go to the next C, and that's consequences. I think so often, right. so often as leaders in the corporate and government world, that's the least favorite part of our job is consequences. Yeah. And boy, I've, I've been in that position as a senior leader in the FBI. I even spent sometime in leadership in internal affairs functions. That's the ugly stuff that is so essential to preserving the institution and the health of it. Well, the same thing happens in a family. You know, it's not a fun time to say, Hey, no car keys for you for two weeks or no, you know, no devices for you, or you're, yeah. you're not going out tonight with your friends and here's why. But, but kids, people, humans need to see there are consequences to our actions. And boy, will they sense if either there's no consequences after that uh,
1: after they've been threatened,
2: yep. they will test the office, right. or the consequences are unfairly doled out. You treat him better than you treat me.
1: Yeah. All oh, right. That, Even just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That,
2: they, they are tuned into that. You've got to make it clear. And based based on precedent so consequences but i'm i'm quick to say and that's why the next chapter um is where it is i'm quick to say if you're going to have consequences you better have the next c which is compassion you can't have one without the other or you're going to be viewed as an authoritarian tyrant right by by the kids by by anybody at the office that you lead So understand the stress factors and don't be this rigid um, decision maker without gathering all your facts. Why is that so important? It it gets down to fairness. If you want people to follow you, if you want your kids to look at you as a role model, you, you want to be viewed as this fair and equitable person who gathers all the available data. And you know what? Sometimes as a parent, we have to say, boy, I wonder if I played a role in my child's judgment decision here. I wonder if I was unclear or I put them under this stress. Um, Did I play a role here in enabling this bad thing to happen? The FBI does that. The FBI requires before you discipline someone and laying out all your paperwork and documentation, you have to say, here are the aggravating factors in this case. And here are the mitigating factors. Here is the stress this employee was under at the time. Here's his past performance record. He's a superstar employee. This is an aberration. All of that has to get taken into
1: consideration. When you do all of that and consider all that, then even if you don't necessarily get the result that you wanted from the investigation, at least you feel like it was fair you feel like that you were considered fully all the facts were considered and that's really important yeah oh
2: yeah and boy do do kids have a sense of justice and fairness in life right they are super tuned into it and yeah they need that they need you to stand for justice and boy can it have an impact if you say you know what i i know you i know you're under particular stress right now and i think I think what you did is probably a a symptom of that. So let's talk about that stress before we talk about any discipline that's going to happen here. Tell me what's going through your head. That means so much into this buy-in of conservancy and everybody being a part of the greater good of the organization, the family. look, we talked consequences, compassion, the next C and, and everything builds, everything in the book builds up to this moment, which is the chapter on credibility, right? Because everything we talked about having fairness, compassion, consequences, having the code, having the conservancy gets to whether or not you as a leader, whether it's a coach of a team, a teacher in a classroom, a parent at home, whether or not, you have credibility. And credibility, I say in the book, isn't about being perfect. It's about being passionate for getting it right, right? And, and parents who pretend they're perfect, they're not going to get the results they want. Credibility is really about, I try hard to get this right and be the role model. But when I screw up, when I screw up, I come clean. I admit my mistakes. I'm transparent about what happened and I'll be transparent about what we're going to do to fix it. And parents should emulate that kind of credibility approach and transparency, not try to be perfect. Kids respect that. And then you should insist on it from your children. Did you make a mistake? Yeah, yeah, I made a mistake. It's okay. It's all right. What are you going to do to fix it? And then follow up. Well, did you do that this week? Did you do what you said you were going to do to fix it? we got to do the same thing too. That's what makes for credible people and credible leadership. And I end the book deliberately with a chapter, the last of the seven C's called consistency. And boy, this has turned out to operate on so many levels. I didn't know when I wrote this book and we released it in January of 2021, that we'd soon have a massive riot at our capital that the nation would be the, the nation would be as split and polarized as it is that because i f- appear frequently on television people would come up to me in, in the supermarket and say frank are we ever going to get out of this moment in time this challenging moment we don't know what the truth is we don't know what's up or down and and i i say this In the FBI, I learned, and by the way, this kind of stress happens in families. You're going through horrible time. Maybe there's divorce. Maybe there's serious medical illness. Maybe there's financial stress. And I say this because I learned it in the FBI under under our own stresses, which is that severe time of stress is the last time you'd ever want to abandon your core principles and and your code of conduct and try to figure out some other way of doing it, but but it's right, here's here's yeah. the thing: it's human nature to say, "Oh my God, this is unprecedented stress. We've never Ugh. we've never lived through this. So um, right. there must be, since it's unprecedented and it's a new thing that's staring us in the face, a new threat, a new risk. There must be some other way to do it that we've never done before. Yeah. We got to figure out a new way of doing things. This isn't working. And and what I say, what I learned in the bureau was, and I give the example of um, October. 2001. We had just lived through still working the 9-11 tragedy of the terrorist attack on the United States. And then just days later, we realized someone is sending deadly anthrax in the mail. And we have where I was, I was in a number two position in the Miami field office of the FBI. We have the first anthrax murder in the history of the United States. Someone mailed anthrax to a corporate office in Boca Raton, Florida, a man in his 60s was exposed to that mailing in the office, and ultimately passed away a a terrible death from anthrax poisoning. So here we are, right, we're under stress to begin with, the nation was attacked on 9-11. Just days later, someone now is mailing anthrax to Congress, the Capitol, media organizations. A man has just died from anthrax poisoning. We don't know if we're under some other terrorist attack or what's going on, but we know we now have a biological agent being sent in the mail that's killed at least one person. And we could look at ourselves and say, this has never happened before. We've never had an anthrax murder. We don't, we don't know. We've got a building that in my, I was the on-scene commander at the building in Boca Raton three-story, 60,000 square foot building filled with microscopic anthrax spores, we could have looked at each other and said, we've never done this before. uh, We got to figure out some new way to do our thing. How how do we do this? Here's what we did instead. We said, and the FBI does this every day, break it down simply. Is this a crime scene? Yes, it is. Are we very good at crime scenes? Yes, we are. Is this
1: a couple of those. Yes, right.
2: Is this a, just a few? Is this a hazardous materials scene? Yes, that's a hazmat scene. Have we been trained? Yeah. Have we been trained to operate and gather evidence in a hazmat environment? Yes, we have. So what we have is a hazmat crime scene. Yes, we do. Well, let's do what we have been trained to do. The same thing needs to happen. This is what I tell people in the supermarket when they approach approach me about the country and the stress the country is under. I say, don't abandon our principles dance with the one who brought you as they say, what got us, what got our nation here? Ah. What's been our success? What are our core rules? The rule of law, the constitution, three equal branches of government, a sense of justice, equality. If we stick to those principles yeah, and don't abandon them because, Oh my God, we've never seen this before. We've never seen the country split before. I say, well, we had a thing called the civil war.
0: Yeah, to the Vietnam era, the civil right.
2: rights era, we, we will make it through. We may not look the same. That's, that's okay. We may morph and change, but stress is not the time to ban- abandon your core principles. In fact, it's the time to co- get them out, brush them off and say, this is what we stand for as a nation, as a mm-hmm. company, as a family, stick with your core principles and you'll come out with defensible Results at
0: the end of the day. We're here today with former FBI Assistant Director Frank Figluzzi talking about the proper way to impose consequences, and we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show.
2: Did we give our team the opportunity to hear what we found? right hey three neighbors said you did this downtown what say you that what say you part is essential for a sense of fairness that they have a voice parents of teens will tell you yes i have a different child every day you know they, they, <laughs> they you know but a good parent is realizing that and they're adjusting and pivoting In the FBI, we got so focused on, and understandably, on, on metrics, statistics. How many arrests did this office uh, have this year? Was it more arrests and convictions than it was last year? You know, had they made more of an impact on the community this year? You know, you start being counting for metrics in terms of how you define success. Right. But as you get more and more senior in leadership, you realize that's not the true metric of success. So, as a parent, you might say. Did my child have more A's than B's this year than last year? Hey, Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I get it. Metrics and goals absolutely important, but what really matters most when you have raised your children into adulthood, um, when all of us have retired, you know, what what matters most? It's it's that 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 this is a human being who stands for something greater than themselves who people who people look to and admire not because they sold this many widgets at the company this year but because they did it with
0: integrity
2: and ethics and people want to be like them those are the men and women we want to raise
0: want to hear the full interview sign up for a subscription today You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.